Find second, uh, find First Thessalonians chapter two. We're up to verse thirteen now. First Thessalonians chapter two. Life's hard. Keep growing anyway. You've got a number of things to fill in tonight, and then uh, later on when I come to the point in. Uh, here in about five or ten minutes from now, near the beginning, I'll have a number of you stand and read clearly and loudly enough for everybody to hear uh, the portion of Scripture that I gave you, okay? So if you've not found that yet, go ahead and find it too. Read with me uh, verse uh, 13, beginning in verse 13. Paul said, This is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the Word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the Word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit, and wrath has overtaken them at last. But as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction, and as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you, and that our labor might be for nothing. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us, as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. 
And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. Now, folks, we have all learned something about life, I'm sure, and that's that life can be very difficult at times. Life can be filled with heartaches and trials and setbacks. That's just part of life. And you know, the Thessalonians certainly found this out too. In fact, Paul was so concerned for them that I hope you noticed as we got into chapter 3, he says that he sent his friends to them, specifically Timothy, knowing that they were suffering, and he wanted to make sure that in the midst of their hardships, Satan had not discouraged them or knocked them off course in any way. Now, perhaps you too have learned that hardship is usually just right around the corner. Bad things happen to good people. People hurt one another, families break up, loved ones die, people lose their jobs, people experience financial difficulties, on and on we could go with that. And specifically, Christians know also that the unbelieving world is opposed to us and Satan is opposed to us. In fact, remember, Jesus in, his, in the upper room with his disciples told them that after he departed from them, there'd be three relationships they would have to be mindful of. First of all, they would need to constantly abide in him because without him, they would be nothing and they could do nothing. Secondly, they would need to be mindful of the fact that the world would hate them. And they weren't to think this to be strange because the world hated him. And the servant is not greater than the master. And then thirdly, he reminded them that they have an enemy, Satan. So we always have to be mindful of that, our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with the world, and our relationship with the enemy, how we are to oppose him and resist him. You know, the world preaches a message of tolerance, and yet the world has no tolerance for genuine Christian conviction. You know, the world loves the good deeds of Christians, but the world hates the biblical convictions of Christians. And so how are Christians to respond in the midst of the world in which we live? Because we live in a fallen world. How are we to respond? And what resources do we have at our disposal? And that's what Paul is going over, uh, going over here. He, he's, uh, he's telling about some, some things we can do for one another, some resources that God's given us. God's not left us as paupers. And I want us to see some of these resources we have while we live in the midst of a fallen world. And the first thing I want you to notice with me tonight is that we are to turn to the Scripture. We are to turn to the Scripture. Look at what he says in verse 13. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the Word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, 
but as it truly is, the Word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. Underscore that, that phrase. Works effectively in you who believe. We saw in chapter 1, verse 6, that the church at Thessalonica had been founded on the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God. Now, folks, the same Word that brings you salvation also strengthens you to be able to live the Christian life. And we need to understand that today. You know, the Word of God is like an ointment to a wound, isn't it? It helps us through those tough times in life. Paul was thankful that the Thessalonians had the right attitude when it comes to the Scripture. As we're walking through a fallen world and experiencing opposition from the world, hatred from the world, and just trials and temptations in life, we need to be rightly related to the Word of God. And notice what he says here in verse 13 about them. You received it not as the word of men, but as what it actually is, God's word. Yes, God used men to write the word, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Peter uses a word in 2 Peter chapter 1 that they were carried along. As they were inspired to write, they were carried along to write words of Scripture, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And the word carried along there in, in 2 Peter 1 is the word that was used of wind filling the sails on a sailboat and carrying that sailboat along. As they wrote God's Word, they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. God's Word is a tremendous source of help to believers. Now, I want those who I gave pieces of paper to, when we think about God's Word being a source of help as we walk through this world, uh, the one who has John 15, 3. Who has that? John 15, 3. Joyce, would you read that? Now ye are clean. It tells how you're clean through the Word which I have spoken <clears throat> unto you. Yes. What's the Word do? Cleanses, Cleanses us. James 1.18, who has that? Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. By his word, he did what? Brought us forth. Brought us forth. Brings about conversion through his word, right? The Holy Spirit uses the word of God bring about conversion. Very similar to that, who has 1 Peter 1, 23? I'll lose all these papers. <laughs> it says, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. Amen. Born again through the Word of God. 1 Peter 2.2, 2. who's got that one? Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Very good. Crave it. The 
that you might grow thereby. John 17, 17. Who's got that one? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word sanctifying us. Setting us apart and again, growing us. Finally, Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. It judges us. Paul was appreciative that they appreciated the Word. Christians today need to appreciate the Word because of how God uses it. God cleanses us, converts us, grows us, sanctifies us, judges us through His Word. You know, in Matthew 4, Jesus said God's Word is like bread. And actually the way He said it was that man shall not live by bread alone, that is physical bread, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word is spiritual food for the hungry. John 17, uh, it was read a moment ago, how it sanctifies us. Jesus said in John 17, Father, sanctify them through your word. Your word is truth. truth. Exactly. Go home tonight and read Psalm 119. Longest, longest chapter and longest psalm. Because the psalmist is going to go on and on and on talking about how God's Word ministers to him. It gives him counsel when he's in the middle of his trials and he needs God's counsel. It's a light to his path that illuminates his way. And surely we're, when we're in the midst of hardship, we need direction, right? Amen. So he goes on and on and on, verse after verse in Psalm 119, talking about how God ministers to his people through the agency of his word. You remember in Luke 10, uh, there was Mary and Martha. Martha was so busy about life and scurrying about life, she was frustrated and she was on her last nerve because her sister Mary wasn't helping her. What was Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha comes rushing in. And Lord, don't you care? Tell my sister to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, you're concerned about many things. But only one thing is really needful right now. And Mary has chosen that. And it will not be taken from her. Mary got the blessing. Martha forfeited. Was Martha doing something good? Sure. I mean, just imagine serving, making preparations to serve the Lord Jesus. Is that good? Yeah. But it wasn't the best thing to be doing at that moment. Mary had chosen the best. Well, again, the Thessalonians, Paul is saying here, they appreciated the word. Not only did they appreciate the word, but notice what he goes on to say uh, about them and the word. They applied it. Paul said it effectively works in you. It effectively works. They learned that when the word of God is applied to life, 
It is a source of great strength. It is effective. Now, it can go in one ear and out the other and not do you much good. You've got to apply it. And when you do that, it's effective. It's a great source of comfort. And we learn in 2 Corinthians 1 that we serve a God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our afflictions. How does He comfort us oftentimes? Through His Word. Haven't you been going through a trial before, a hardship in your life, and you turn somewhere in Scripture, and God really ministered to you through that passage? You know what I'm talking about? God used His Word to really give you hope give you encouragement, give you strength. You know, in the 23rd Psalm, David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and he talked about the Lord's work and how the Lord guided him and provided for him. God does that for his sheep using his word. The scripture tells us in Romans 8 that God is for us. Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Paul also says in Romans chapter 8 that God will help us in our times of weakness. How does he help us? Through prayer is what Paul's talking about there. But prayer as we're also saturated in the Word. In the Word. You know, sometimes we're going through tough times and we say, God, where are you? And God says, I'm right here with you. Just open my word, read it, and pray. And as we read and pray, we sense him with us in a very powerful way. Folks, what I want you to understand is that the scripture, when believed and obeyed, is going to be a source of blessing to you in the midst of trials. And so what's that tell us? The child of God needs to daily flee to God's word. As we go through this world, we have the resource of the Bible. Are we utilizing it? Are we studying it? Or do we merely close it after Sunday, put it on the shelf, and not open it again until we take it to church with us the next week? Folks, you've got to be in the Word for yourself, mining out the treasures. And if you'll take the time and the effort to do that, you will find a great deal of strength and wisdom and counsel and guidance and comfort and peace from the Scripture. Through the toughest times you go through in life, you'll find God's strength as you're in His Word. And again, that's how the Thessalonians were with the Word. They received it with joy. They received it. Not as the words of men, but as what it actually is, the Word of God. A second resource that he points out here that we have, we need to accept our share of valleys. Look at what he says uh, in, in verses 14 and following. He says, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things for, from people, of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might be saved. As a result, they're constantly filling up their sins to the limit and wrath has overtaken them at last. Paul's pointing out something to them here. Paul himself and his traveling companions... They experienced persecution and tribulation. 
because of the word. Right? And Paul says, now you are too. You're, you're experiencing what we've experienced. And, and I think what he's helping them to understand here is that goes along with the Christian life. There's a degree, there's a share of suffering and hardship you and I will have to face in life because of who we identify with. And it's not a strange thing. It's the normal Christian life. What would be strange is if you go through all of your life and you're never opposed in your life because of your Christian faith. Jesus said, woe to you if all men speak well of you. You know, the scripture consistently tells us that life is going to be filled with trials. It's not, the Bible doesn't teach this brand of Christianity that we hear coming out of some sources today that, you know, if you're ever sick or ever experiencing a hardship in life, there's something wrong with you. You just don't have enough faith. If you go through trials, what's wrong with you? You need to believe God. Have enough faith. That's not true at all, is it? In fact, I want you to turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. I would say Paul had a lot of faith, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. But and yet, look at all the trials he had. Listen to what Hebrews 11, 35 through 40 talks about. Because we know what Hebrews 11 is. It's, we call it the roll call of faith. It's talking about people who, who lived by faith. And we know that they lived by faith because of what the writer of Hebrews says about them. Uh, because he, he lists name after name and then tells what they did in their lives that demonstrated that their faith was real and genuine. Like Abraham, for instance, when he picked up and left everything behind, his father's family and homeland to go to a new place. Why would a man do that? Because he believed God had called him, right? Why would Rahab do what she did, hide the spies, when if the authorities of her city would have caught her, they would have killed her and her whole family for hiding the Hebrew spies. Why would she do something like that? Because she'd come to believe in the Hebrews' God. He goes all through the chapter, chapter 11, talking about how their actions demonstrated their faith. And, and listen to what he says beginning in verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection, others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sought into. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. 
All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. What's Hebrews 11 say to those today that say, hey, if, if you'll just have enough faith, you're not going to have troubles. You're not going to have sickness. What's Hebrews 11 say to people like that? <laughs> Says to them they need to read their Bibles, don't they? <laughs> Folks, think about it. We're trying to live right side up in an upside down world. It's not always going to be easy. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he said, Timothy, all of those who desire to live godly lives in this world will suffer persecution. He didn't say 30% of those who desire to live godly lives are going to suffer persecution. Half or three quarters or even 99%. He said, Timothy, everybody, Everybody who desires to live a godly life in this world is going to suffer persecution. So at some point, expect it in your life. Some of you perhaps have experienced it already in some way or another. And again, it's not unusual. We need to accept our share of it. Jesus suffered. The apostles suffered. Paul and his traveling companions suffered. All these people that the writer of Hebrews mentions in Hebrews 11, they suffered. And yet the Bible can tell us, like in the book of James, consider it all joy when we have these trials. Knowing that God uses them to perfect us, to grow our character, to mature us. Dr. Vance Havner once wrote, he said, God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, and broken bread to give strength. You know the story of Horatio Spafford, right? Christian lawyer. He lost almost all of his wealth in the financial collapse of 1873. Uh, lived in Chicago. He was a Chicago attorney. And you know the story, right? His wife and his four daughters were on a trip to France, but on their, on their way there, their ship collided with another ship. And there were only 87 survivors out of 225 passengers on their ship, only 87 survivors. Mrs. Spafford survived, but her four daughters perished. And yet, do you remember the words that Horatio Spafford wrote? When he was on the way to meet his wife, and the ship's captain told him they were right over the general area where his wife's and daughter's boat had been struck and it sank. Do you remember what Horatio Spafford wrote? When sorrows like sea billows roll. When sorrows like sea roll. Yes. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
We need to prepare ourselves for suffering. We need, folks, we need to have the mindset that probably sometime between now and when you die or I die, you're going to go through some hardships because of your faith. You're going to suffer for something related to your faith. You've got a share of suffering. All the saints of God have had that. You need to prepare yourselves for that. And when it happens to you, don't think something strange is happening to you. It's the normal Christian experience. Paul is trying to get them to see here it's not odd the persecution and hardship that they've experienced. Now, if somebody is causing you your hardship, you need to pray for them. Uh, Paul talks about the Jews here. How the Jews caused his hardships, how they're causing the hardships of the Thessalonians, you would conclude that Paul really despised his countrymen, right? He hated them. No. What do you read in Romans chapter 9? What did Paul say? He said, I pray unceasingly for them. I pray for their salvation. If there's some way there could be a trade-off, if I could die and be lost and go to hell... If that meant that my countrymen, the Jews, would be saved, Paul said, I'd make that exchange. Well, I don't know if I could say that. Could you? It'd be hard to say. If somebody's causing you hardship in your life, persecute, to be able to say, God, if, if it takes me, if you have to, if there's some trade, of course, I mean, we know this is not going to happen, but if I could trade off and go to hell for that person causing me trouble, for them to be saved, I'd go to hell. Is that something you could pray? That's a tough prayer, isn't it? But that was what Paul prayed for the Jews who constantly troubled him and are now troubling the Thessalonians. So accept your, your share of hardship because Scripture tells us it's going to be there. And if there's somebody causing it in your life, pray for them. Pray that God would change their hearts. A third resource we have. Stand with those who are hurting. He says beginning in verse 17, But as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I and Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, we were with you. When we were with you, we told you in advance that we are going to experience affliction. And as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you, 
and that our labor might be for nothing. Paul was concerned about this young church. He was afraid that the Jews' persecution against them might be too much for them at this point in their walk with God because, again, they're young Christians. So he's afraid that maybe the opposition they're facing might be too much for them. And that the devil would have used the persecution they were facing to turn them away from the gospel. You know, the devil tried to do that morning. He's a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. And one of his strategies is to try to convince people if God was real or if they really belonged to God, they wouldn't be expecting all that hardship. Or they'll try to make their Christian faith so difficult on somebody that they'll, turn, they'll say, this is not worth it. You've probably known somebody in your life, I dare say, that maybe they were young in their faith and going got tough and they turned away. They no longer follow Christ. Because maybe how difficult Christian faith was. I dare say some of you in here know somebody like that. Because again, they just thought, I'm going to become a Christian. Everything's going to be nice and neat and easy. And life's going to be a bowl of cherries and a piece of cake. And when it didn't turn out that way, they're not, they're not, they're not following Christ. The devil will try to do that with people. And so again, Paul is, he's concerned for the Thessalonians and, and he's trying to stand with them and, and make certain that, that they've not been thrown off their course. And so he says here, when, when I couldn't stand it anymore, what did he do? He sent Timothy. What's he realizing here? By sending somebody Can't do everything himself, but it helps people to have somebody when they're going through something difficult, right? Reassuring. Reassuring. Yeah, exactly. Reassuring. Uh, over in Romans 12, 15. Romans 12, 15. Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Somebody simply being there, right? Joe Bailey in his book, View from a Hearse, says that one of the best contributions we can make to a person going through intense suffering and loss is our presence without words. He said, and I quote here, don't try to prove anything to a survivor, an arm about the shoulder, a firm grip of the hand, a kiss. These are the proofs grief needs, not logical reasoning. Giving a word of personal testimony, he said, and again I quote, I was sitting, torn by grief. Someone came and talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, and of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things that I knew were true, but I was unmoved except for the fact that I wished he would go away. And he finally did. He got, but it goes on to say, another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask leading questions. 
He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listened when I said something, answered briefly, prayed simply, and left. I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. Just having somebody. Paul sent Timothy just so they would have somebody there in the flesh. By the way, isn't that what God did in the incarnation? The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Look at what he says here in verse 2. We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. Now, the word there, uh, to strengthen or to establish, it is the same word that's used in the Septuagint. You know what the Septuagint is, right? The Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures. It's the same word that was used in Exodus 17 of Aaron and Hur when they did something for Moses. You remember what they did for Moses? Held, it, held his arms up. As Joshua was down on the battlefield fighting who? Amalek. And when Moses got tired and he lowered his arms, the, the Amalekites would win. When Aaron and Hur held his arms up, Joshua and Hebrews were winning. Same word that's used here. Sent Timothy to you, essentially so he can help hold your arms up. So he can help establish you and, and, and strengthen you. And folks, that's what we can be to somebody who's hurting. We can just be there. We can just be there. Try to strengthen them. Try to encourage them. Something might be to take food in. Might be to help make some calls for them. You know, summertime. Might be cutting their grass or something. All in all, we could go with suggestions like that, right? To help people going through hardship. Paul says, when I just couldn't take it anymore, I had to send Timothy to you to find out how you were doing, yes, but also so he could establish you and strengthen you and encourage you. So we have that resource to be able to stand with those who are hurting. And then fourthly, Paul mentions to pray for one another. Verses 9 and following. In verse 9 and following, he said, How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we have experienced before our God because of you? As we pray very, very earnestly, night and day, to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. Paul's praying for them. Folks, people in hardship need the prayers of brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Paul's saying here, I prayed for you night and day. I prayed for you constantly. People in hardship need that. They need the encouragement of one another. Paul prayed that he might somehow or another be able to supply what was lacking in their faith. He wanted to encourage them. 
And he mentions here something too that people in hardship, not only we not only need to be praying for one another and praying for those who are in hardship, but we need to be loving them too. And, and he prays that they might love one another. Because what can hardships do to some people? Can make them bitter, right? Can make people blame people or turn bitter. But, but Paul said, I, I was praying for you because I want you to be encouraged. But I also pray that your love for one another would increase and overflow and continue to grow towards one another. So just in summary fashion, listen to some of the things Paul has said to them that that the way I've applied them tonight, can, we can use them when, when we're going through hardship. We have the Scripture. We need to turn to the Scripture because it guides and comforts. We have a forewarning from God that we need to prepare ourselves and arm ourselves for trials and sufferings. We have one another. We need to stand with those who are hurting and be there for them. And we have prayer. We need to intercede for one another and pray for one another. Now, folks, keep those four things in mind. Because sooner or later, if you live long enough, face trouble, face persecution or trials, those four things will help, right? So let me ask you tonight. Are you suffering? Are you hurting? Are you in a battle? Are you in a trial? Are you in a testing? Or is, is, do you have somebody, a co-worker maybe, Opposing you because of your Christian faith. I'm convinced the church is going to see this more and more. Amen. We're going to see this more and more. Are you in a time like that now? You need to make a commitment that you're going to turn to God's Word. You're going to seek counsel and direction in His Word. And again, it's going to take effort. You need to mine the treasures out. But it'll be a blessing to you. And are you prepared for your share of suffering? Hopefully you're not one of those that's thinking, I'm supposed to go through my Christian life and it's supposed to be a breeze. Are you prepared for a share of Christian suffering? You know, we... Read through the Bible, the saints of God, and we so admire them because of the way they stood up to all of that. Somehow or another, we think we get a free pass. No, we don't. So prepare yourself for suffering. Is there somebody in your life right now that you know you need to stand with? Maybe a friend in the church here going through a tough time or some loss in their life, and you need to be there for them. You don't have to try and go with all the answers. Just as a brother or sister, be there for them. And be an intercessor too. An intercessor. Praying for people. That's the least we can do for people, but it's also the most we can do for people. Any questions or comments? Number, the, the main number two? Okay.
accept your share of valleys. CBA, clarify. Cons uh, conservative uh, churches of white beliefs. Uh, conservative Baptist Association. Of America. Okay. Yeah. This is when you were Up in the Northeast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In my view, we had uh, Larry Bishop, and he came over, and okay. and uh, really, it's blessing. I'll tell you, they, but they have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sure. They got to be good in the Word. Yeah. They got to have, you know. <laughs> And it's just such, a, just such a blessing to be, to have this peacemaker. They were a Timothy coming to encourage you. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. <coughs> that was, uh, and then other times we had, uh, uh, we had uh, missionaries come in, we had evangelists come in. We were a small church. We <laughs> and we had uh, John Rice came in with uh, uh, Jack, uh, Jack, probably Jack Wurtson? No. In no, that area? No. Up there? I'm sorry. He came in. And then uh, 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 the one in Virginia in the Liberty College, Jerry Carlos, he sent in, he, he sent the, the champion wrestler of uh, Liberty College. And that was a blessing, you know, and, and some other men. So we, uh, we used other churches sure help us and you know and as far as money I don't think they were charging anything or, you know, right you playing fair or something but right but it was a blessing you sure know, sure uh, to have a moderator like you say ten, 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 and then we we sent these men that really <coughs> want to see churches fall apart and mm -hmm. you know, it's a blessing yeah. but uh, if we're persecuted for our own stupidity that's not Right. <laughs> and Peter mentions that, that don't suffer because of your own wrongdoing. There's nothing yeah. nothing meritorious about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Anybody else? Oh yeah. 
They, they have. And how they moved up here to be near their daughter and help out. Yeah. Christians helping Christians. And that's why Paul said he was sending Timothy to them. He couldn't go, but he was going to send somebody to establish and strengthen them and encourage them. Yeah. Yeah, families themselves can do that for one another. Good point. They also mentioned yesterday that in their son-in-law, the poly son-in-law, 12 and a half years that he suffered with his brain injury, mm -hmm. one friend came every week. He wow. never missed one week wow. in 12 and a half years That's of blessing. Just, and he said, I'm the one that got the blessing from Brian. Yeah. And they, one point, asked, how many of you have been prayed over by Brian? Mm -hmm. And I bet half the congregation raised their hand. Mm -hmm. He may be blind. He may have had a brain injury, but he was a prayer warrior. Prayer warrior. I went in to talk to him one time when I was over there because I had seen him in the uh, mall walking. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I said, oh, you know, you were some of his son-in-law. And he carried on a good conversation. And before I left, though, he said, can I pray with you? Mm -hmm. They said that he did that with everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, his what happened right now, his speech, everything was fine, but he couldn't remember 15 right. minutes ago. Yeah. Which, my heart ached. Sure. Sure. They said he led two of his workers to the Lord. Hmm. During his time of During illness. During his time of illness. Because he could remember the scriptures. Right. 